Week two is here. We help you avoid those landmines when it comes to setting your fantasy football lineups. This and more on today's In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Because I've been in tune, out of touch, coming off the bench, trying to shake the bunch, check your stat line, see who's up, that over, under, hit too clutch. I'm trying to avoid getting carried away with the chest, we sleeping on a trick play, predicting all of my moves like they seen every play, so I'm running it back. Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, all right, all right. It is Feel Good Friday, September 15th, and it is only week two of the NFL season, but I feel like we're already balls deep in this son of a bitch because so many injuries are happening. We're having to make pivots left and right. And I feel like I've just been staring at projections, prop totals for days now. Haven't shaved in those couple days as well. But we fucking love it, and we hope you guys do as well. My name is Seth Wilcock, and today I'm joined by my friend who enjoys big old trucks, big old dips in the lip, and big old fancy football totals. He's known as Tex. Give it up for Eric Romoff. What's up, Eric? How we doing tonight, buddy? Man, we got a uh, inverted version of Two Truths and a Lie. Um, but I'm, I'm doing good, right? That, uh, last night was the rare Thursday night football game that actually ran up the score and was exciting all the way down to the stretch run. So great way to kick off week number two. There are plenty of teams of mine that have like a 40 or 50 or 60 point edge on my, on my opponent this week. There are a couple other teams where I'm in a pretty deep hole, right? So definitely a bang of a way to start week two. And I can't wait to dive into the rest of the slate. 100% agree with you. We are jam-packed here on the show once again for our Friday special uh, Thursday night football recap coming at you, ladies and gentlemen, in just a couple moments. We also have Sam Wagman, who's joining the show for some start sits right around the 2.15 hour. And then uh, Sure Thing Sleepers of the Week, we have a new friend joining us, Brian Ford, today. Excited to chat with him. And we got to redeem ourselves a little bit, Eric. Uh, One of our Sure Things didn't even play last week, and the other one dropped a big old... uh, but not a, not a donut, but damn close to it in your tight end spot. So we're, we're going to help you guys out here on this Friday. want to thank the IBT family for riding along with us today. Looks like we already have some people in the chat, some faithfuls. Albert, Albert, good afternoon, IBT. Good afternoon to you, Albert. Thanks for joining us. And Toronto Dave, he's always here for the feel-good vibes. We appreciate you, Dave, riding alongside us. Eric, let's let's uh, let's look back at last night. As you said, one of the rare good Thursday night football matchups. Temperature check. That's really spicy. Holy shit. 
All right. So hot. And that was last night's game as well. Eagles, they take the Vikings 34 to 28. 700 total yards of offense in this one, Eric. Four turnovers for the Vikings and nearly 40 minutes of time of possession for the Philadelphia Eagles. Minnesota now falls to 0-2. They're Kirk Cousins to the Jet rumors already. Thoughts on the game before we dive into the fantasy aspect of it? Man, this was this was an absolute roller coaster, right? Like the first half of this game was pure, unadulterated under porn. Like just all the turnovers. Every time someone was about to score, yeah. it seems like they would cough it up. It seemed like we were cruising to an under. And then these teams made a couple of adjustments at the half and came out slinging in the, in the third quarter. So definitely a ton of fun to watch. And look, I, I think the, you know, the overarching point is there were a lot of people dunking on Kirk Cousins and his primetime record. Obviously, yes. he didn't get the win this one, but I mean, he he played much more like we're accustomed to Kirk Cousins playing, um, at least in in one o'clock games. So seems like he might have gotten that monkey off of his back, if nothing else. Uh, let's talk about the king of the night, Philadelphia's own DeAndre Swift, 28 for 175 and one on the ground. And I'm just going to say, Eric. I got fucked over so bad by this happening last oh, night. No. Not only do I have Kenneth Gainwell in most of my leagues, I have him in my big time money league. He was it. out. I had to sit him and my opponent had DeAndre Swift. So okay. I, I got double punched in the face last night. Um, O-line looked great. Swift looked as explosive as he maybe ever has. And also 28 carries for a guy who the Lions weren't even giving 12 to 14 just a year ago. Yeah, you were you were scaring me there because I thought you were going to say you were one of the people that dropped DeAndre Swift. Oh. He was one of the most dropped people across the vast majority of commissioner platforms. So if nothing else, you're not you're not in in that company. But yeah, I mean this was this was the DeAndre Swift party. I have been one of the sad sacks out there that has been just, that has just been begging for a team to give DeAndre Swift a full workload, and at least here in week two. We saw, you know, what he can do with that. Twenty-eight for one hundred and seventy-five, caught a, caught three passes out of the backfield as well, and you know, did the absolute most with the opportunity that he was given. I don't think this is necessarily a sign of things to come, right? Like oh, Philadelphia, okay. for as long as we can remember, has really been deploying a pretty heavy committee in their backfields. Yes, I think DeAndre Swift has earned you know, additional opportunity based on how he played tonight. But it's not like they're just going to completely cast aside Kenneth Gainwell. Boston Scott, before he got his concussion, he was even playing pretty well, right? He was, at least in the first, you know, two quarters, was heavily involved on third down, on long down and distance plays, right? So I, I think we're going to see more of this rotation, especially as Gainwell comes back, especially as Boston Scott comes back. But if nothing else... You know, Swift is one of these players that we've we've dreamt about seeing 20 plus touches for. Yeah. We got that and then some last night. Super excited to see him just completely explode into into week number two. Hopefully he can hold it together health wise. That is a lot of carries for him. I think that is the, the one thing I'm a little worried about. I wouldn't be surprised mm -hmm. if he pops up on the injury report next week. Um, AJ Brown in this game, though, a little underwhelming performance from him once again, four for twenty nine. Averaging just under 11 PPR points so far through two games. And he wasn't very happy with it. Uh, obviously, he got a touchdown called back. And he was kind of on the sidelines uh, squeaky wheeling it, if, if you would, Eric. So I'm I'm looking at last night as an opportunity to maybe try to go buy low on A.J. Brown. 
Yeah, to to say the least, right? And I I think I think the uh, the squeaky wheeling it as as you put it is uh, is is a bit misplaced, right? Like the the thing that has to have to be contextualized here is that Jalen Hurts only completed eighteen passes last night. Like this is like one of the the lowest volume passing games that we've seen really since he's become the established starter, right? They're not a super high volume offense in terms of passing, but this is de- this is definitely near the end of his range. So when you put it that way, AJ Brown's four receptions is like a 22% opportunity share. That is plenty fine if you extrapolate it over the course of a season. It's just the ground game really got working. That was kind of the spark that got things moving in yes. the second half and they stuck to it. They they ran the ball an insane amount of times, 48 rushing attempts last night, right? So obviously, if you're only going to haul in four passes, it it hurts fantasy managers. Clearly, A.J. Brown is not happy about it, but I think his role in the offense is still very well established, and yes. he was oh so close to having a huge night himself, right? That that turnover on the touchdown could have easily gone yes. either way, and then a very questionable no call on a pass interference on a Caleb Evans that was clearly pass interference, got there before the ball got there, didn't turn around to try to make a play on the ball, just smacked his arm out of the way, would have been a walk-in touchdown you know, either of those two, you know, high variance type of plays go his way. And I don't think there is a peep of concern about A.J. Brown. So definitely with you, if someone's getting a little uh, little shaky in their boots, go, uh, yeah. go uh, a low ball offer and see if you can't get them on the cheap. All right. Love it. Uh, let's look at the Vikings side real quick before we get to everyone's start sit questions in the chat. And it's Kirk Cousins with a big day for him, man. A lot of people, I think probably just around 50, 60% of people from what I saw on ESPN formats had him in their starting lineup. So I think everyone was kind of worried. Primetime Kirk would once again show his face. He delivers here for fantasy managers. Congratulations. TJ Hawkinson looking like a fucking stud as well down the stretch. Seven for 66 and two tutties for him on the night. Um, You're getting tight end one value right now from TJ Hawkinson. Like he'll probably look after this week as the tight end one um, as far as points uh, overall in the season. So congrats to you if you invested in him. Uh, The big question mark here though, Eric, Alexander Madison, eight for 28, three for 11. He, He had one big catch kind of right there at the end, right around two minutes that kind of saved his fantasy day a little bit. Um, But man, this is not great. And this is what I think, everyone has an issue with is like, yes, the opportunity has always been great for Alexander Madison this season. It was always lining up that way, but I just don't think he's that talented of a running back. He's kind of regressed in the the efficiency standpoint for the last couple of seasons now. And I think this is what happens a lot of the time. Like it's a great role. It should be great for fantasy managers, but we're just not getting the output. And I I think that's kind of what we're going to get a lot of the rest of the season. Yeah. I'm, I guess I'm less concerned about Alexander Madison, right? You know, his his claim to fame for fantasy viability is the volume. And as this game just went completely bananas down the stretch run, they just stopped running the ball as much, right? But if if you if you zoom out, he, he played 41% of snaps. That's like a 75% snap share, which is elite, right? Like Derrick Henry, who we think of as, you know, the guy, like the the model of a workhorse back. He saw 67% of snaps last season, right? Christian McCaffrey last season was 74% of snaps. So his role in the offense is very well established and it's very clear. But in games where Minnesota is trailing and he's not going to get 14, 16, 18 touches, he's going to put up some stinkers, right? He's not the most efficient guy. 
you know, he, he takes a little bit of time to, 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 to warm up. Right. But in, in game scripts like this, he's, he's going to have, he's going to have some bad outings, but ultimately, I mean, getting a guy that's going to have 75% of snaps week in and week out, there's still fantasy value to that. Um, let's go ahead and get into the start and sits with uh, some matchup management. Who you got? Matchup management. Who's it going to be? All right. And for today's edition of Matchup Management, we are joined by a fucking weapon. He is Sam Wagman. He's the content strategy and a fantasy betting and analyst over at the Game Day NFL. He's with football guys. So, some would say that this guy knows his stuff. I would say he absolutely knows his stuff, and he always comes with a big old smile on his face. He's a swag man. Sam Wagman, what's up, my friend? What's going on, fellas? Thank you for having me today. It's it's a great day. Eagles won. Uh, you know, defense doesn't look defense doesn't look good at all, but um. We'll get there with them once we get the guys back healthy. There we go. Sam, you're a Philly fan, but you live in Florida. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. How does that happen? Um, well, I grew up in uh, in South Jersey, was born in Philly. I grew up in South Jersey about uh, 20 minutes from the city. And when I was uh, about 10 years old, my dad decided he wanted to retire early. Okay. And, and all his friends were starting to retire so uh, while I was at summer camp one summer, he packed up and uh, moved us all down to Florida. And he didn't end up retiring for nearly 15 years. <laughs> so, so what was supposed to be a retirement move never ended up being a retirement move. And, you know, it ended up kind of being just a slow burn uh, for him. But, you know, I, I kind of grew to, to like Florida. I've actually adopted uh, the hockey team down here as my own okay. hockey team. I'll never leave the Eagles. So, you know, but I, I did leave, I did leave the Philadelphia Flyers. That after, is okay. That is completely respect that. 10 plus years, 10 plus years of misery from them. So, uh, Florida's fine. And, uh, there's, there's tons of people from the North down here. So I kind of feel, you know, it kind of, you kind of meet a lot of people from the Northeast cause everyone comes down here to vacation stuff like that. So you meet a lot of people from like the Philadelphia area down here as well. Sweet, man. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, I know Eric has some ties and Phillies with his family as well. Uh, I'm out here in PA. So always good to see the birds get a win here in week number two. Sam, let's get to some start sit questions. The first one I saw in the chat is from none other than Toronto. Dave saying PPR start to Jamal Williams, James Connor, or DJ Moore. These were like just a pile of letdowns in week one, to be honest with you. We saw a lot of volume for Jamal, a lot of volume for James Conner. With that being said, do you expect DJ Moore to bounce back, or are you rolling with uh, two of these running backs here, Sam? I'm not keeping Jamal Williams as much in my decisions this week. He looked really bad last week. And and I know the matchup was was kind of, kind of the issue there. You can't run against Tennessee, but... Yes. I think Kendra Miller is going to be back this week. And I kind of ran, I ranked them a little bit high in my rankings this week. I'm about 20 spots higher than most of the ECR is on Kendra Miller because I really believe in his talent. And I think Jamal Williams is kind of just the guy. And I think they want to, I think they want to kind of shift towards Kendra Miller and Alvin Kamara since Alvin Kamara gets back from the suspension after next week's game. Uh, so I would, I would not be considering Jamal Williams here. I do think DJ Moore gets back on track, though. 
in this matchup. This is kind of a matchup that he's done really well against in the last couple of times that he's faced off against the Buccaneers. And I'm not as worried about the shadow, the assumed shadow coverage from Carlton Davis either. I, I think more will will really get going. And I think there was probably a, a, some words between him and Justin Fields after Fields missed them on a couple of easy shots last week. Okay. Eric, where are you going here? Uh, Jamal Williams, I, I think that sounds like honestly probably the best play to me. Are you in agreement with that to, to not be playing him? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there in, in lockstep, right? And I, I think it really boils down to what happens with Kendra Miller, right? Um, you know, whether or not he he steps in to take a significant role is kind of in question. But if nothing else, we know that the Saints want to use a committee approach in their backfield. And with a player that is as inefficient as Jamal Williams, taking any amount of his workload away is just critical, right? So, like, he definitely poses a big risk. We'll obviously know a little bit more as we get practice reports today and more information into the weekend but he definitely looks like the the biggest you know risk of the of the three that we've laid out here and also going back to to dj Moore, even even if he does see shadow coverage by carlton davis carlton davis allowed a catch rate of 67 percent in his coverage last week he allowed 2.87 yards per route covered so basically every time that dj Moore is running a route he can expect to based on this 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 average see more than two two receiving yards it is just astronomically high granted it's a one game sample so you know the worst case scenario for dj Moore is he sees that coverage but seems like that coverage isn't as daunting as it has been in years past and i think i think at the end of the day gentlemen the ceiling is just not there for james connor it's not there for jamal williams i i think you have to be trudging out dj Moore. We know what he can do. We saw it in the preseason. Hopefully it comes to fruition here in week number two. Uh, but good on you, Dave. I, I think you'll be all right with James Conner and DJ Moore this week. Um, I want to talk about some quarterback start sits here, guys. And one of the quarterbacks I featured in my column this week that I'm absolutely in on. I cannot get enough of Jared Goff this week. You look at the splits between the home and the road, Jared Goff, and it kind of reminds you of like Big Ben in like the 2018-2019 run with the Steelers, how much better he's been at home. 2.6 touchdowns um, last season as compared to on the road, 0.8 touchdowns. So a big difference there, a big difference in yardage. And this is a defense in Seattle that I think we can attack as fantasy managers. We know this game was a complete blow just back and forth battle last season, um, blowing the top off the defenses. So I'm all in on Jared Goff and honestly, all the lions I can get this week, Sam, any thoughts on Jared Goff or any other quarterbacks, you know, kind of right in that QB two QB one, uh, back in QB one realm that, that you're interested in playing. Yeah, I do like Jared Goff. I think this, this, uh, Seattle and Detroit game could possibly be the highest scoring game of the week. Um, you know, I, you know, taking into account last night, uh, you know, maybe not as high there, but still, I think this has this game's got a good chance to go over 50. Uh, I have Goff ranked right outside the top 10 right now because you know he's he's more of an efficiency guy than anything. Yeah, you know, I could easily see him going for 250 and three. Um, you know, guys that are right right on the edge of that QB1 rate, uh, Geno Smith as well in this same matchup, I really like. Uh, also, Mac Jones is someone who kind of stands out to me. If you know, it's a little bit early to be really be needing a QB streamer, but yeah. in the off chance that you do, I don't think there's anything wrong with going, going with the Patriots signal caller here. Yes. Miami gave up a bunch of yards 
uh, chunk plays to Justin Herbert last week. And, you know, I've never been of the opinion that Mac Jones is a good quarterback, but I do think this Patriots offense runs a lot more seamlessly under Bill O'Brien than it did Matt Patricia. So uh, I'll, I'll continue to keep giving Jones the benefit of the doubt. Uh, you know, given that I think the Patriots are going to need to throw in nearly every game this season to really keep up. So I, I definitely think this is a good matchup for him. Yeah, I don't think he'll throw 54 times or whatever the number was last year, last week, but I still think he's going to be throwing a ton to keep up with Miami and the opponents down the stretch here. So I like that call from Mac Jones there. Eric, any other quarterbacks that you're on or off? Yeah, I mean, I, I love I love both those calls. And with the Mac Jones point, 54 pass attempts leads the NFL. I mean, this this could set up as another game script where they're going to have to throw a ton, and that that type of volume is just hard to walk away from. And the split that I think is important with Jared Goff, going back to your earlier point, is his protection rate. Right when he is when he's got a clean pocket, when he's not being pressured, he is a completely different guy. And Seattle only applied pressure on about 20 percent of snaps last week, so clean pocket means good things for golf. I'll, um, I'll, I'll stay right around this range. I, I, I want to talk about Anthony Richardson. He, he performed a bit better as a passer than, than I think most people anticipated in week one 100%. and walks into an absolutely cake matchup against the, the Houston Texans in, in week number two, their secondary is somewhat tough, but it looks like uh Petrie is probably going to miss the game with a bruised lung. That was really a turning, turning point in their week one matchup against the Ravens. So Definitely a bit of an, an upgrade in terms of his matchup. And Houston is still a turnstile against the run. We saw 10 rushing attempts for Anthony Richardson. If he didn't get dinged up on that on that last drive, presumably would have been involved in the touchdown that uh, that came off of that drive as well. So definitely like his involvement in the ground game as a floor. And I think he can actually do a little bit in the air this week against the Texans. When it comes to sits at the quarterback position as well, I want to throw out Dak Prescott. I think... Honestly, we're getting close to the point, boys, where I'm like almost comfortable dropping Dak Prescott in one quarterback leagues just because I really think this is a great Cowboys team. But right now, I think they want to run with or win with defense and a good run game. We, we kind of heard Mike McCarthy. He doesn't care that too much that they air it out here. Um, so against a really stout New York Jets secondary and defense as a whole that made Josh Allen look like a, a, a Division two college quarterback in, in week number one. I think I'm out on Dak Prescott here. Sam, any thoughts on Dak here in week two or moving forward down the line? Yeah, I, I got a ton. I mean, this this is one of the rare instances where we kind of have to listen to what the coach tell, told us. And McCarthy told us when he got rid of Kellen Moore, like, we don't run the ball enough. And, and that's despite the fact that I think they were the fifth highest run rate team last year. Uh, they really want to run the ball. They don't technically have the personnel to really run the ball a ton right you know just really with tony pollard but it does seem that they want to have a committee running approach and it, it just seems that they're going to do it and i don't think this is the matchup to really trot dak out there if you don't have to uh against the jets team that really did lock down josh allen uh last week you know they took what out they took what allen gave them had some picks and I do think they're one of the most dangerous secondaries in the league. So I'm not sure we're going to see Dak do a lot. And I've never really been the believer in Dak as, as it is. The fact that Brandon Cooks is a sprained MCL and probably won't play in this game doesn't help. Yeah, 100%. He's going to have to rely a lot on Jake Ferguson and a lot on Michael Gallup. We'll see if they can hold up. Um, let's go running back start sits here, Eric. And 
there are some really interesting names out there this week. We saw a lot of rookies pop, a lot of second-year guys pop um, that we weren't really expecting. One of my favorite starts this week is Tyler Algier. However, we just got the news that Cordell Patterson is probably good to go in this one as well. Um, any thoughts if you're backing Algier or any of these other, you know, right on the borderline start sits for you? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely comfortable going back to the well with with Tyler Algier, right? Um, you know, this this is going to continue to be a committee backfield. I, I know that Bijan Robinson managers are probably a little unhappy hearing that, but you know, yeah. the 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 presumed return of Cordell Patterson, I actually don't think impacts Tyler Algier at all, right? Like if you go back and you watch that week one tape with uh with Atlanta facing off against the Panthers. Bijan Robinson was kind of in Cordell Patterson's role. Like that's the way that they used Patterson the last few years, very much so how they deployed Robinson in week one. So to your specific question, I, I don't think the the presence of, of Patterson really has anything to do with how, you know, the, the opportunity that, that Tyler Algier has. And much like Philadelphia last night, Atlanta is one of the highest run volume offenses in the entire NFL. So you know, having two guys out there is never the funnest thing to see from a fantasy perspective, but you know, there there's plenty of opportunity to go around. I definitely think Algier is a comfortable flex start this week. Well, we know they're not going to pass the ball, especially with Jair Alexander and Russell Douglas on the other side of it for the Packers. Um, yeah, I, I think Tyler Algier is a smash start here. Anyone else you like on the fringe uh, to their starter sit, Sam? Yeah, I was tossing around my rankings. I think a lot of people are down on Rashad White this week. Uh, after watching him kind of down on the whole time, buddy. Yeah. Well, I got back in on him. Uh, this is, this is is the matchup that I really like for white. Um, and I wrote about it in my, my week two matchups to exploit piece for the game day this week. Really, really liking this match against the bears defensive line. Um, this isn't, this is a Chicago defense that was just absolutely obliterated through the air by Aaron Jones and the, the Packers in, in week one. And I really don't know if, if Chicago can stop anybody. Like I, I'm truly, truly concerned that their defense just can't stop anybody. Yep. We, we know Rashad White is a receiving threat. We also know he's a volume threat. Uh, he had 19 total touches last week, and they ranked 10th among, most among running backs okay. last week. Yeah. There is no evidence that Sean Tucker is going to take over this backfield anytime soon. And there's really nobody else. So uh, I, we can only assume that Rashad White is going to see some nice volume again. I do think that the wide receivers are going to see quite a lot of work as well. I, I like that their matchup as well. Uh, but I don't, I don't see any reason why Rashad White can't be the beneficiary of volume. Kind of the uh, kind of the argument we've had for Alexander Madison all these years, despite the fact that he's clearly just not good at football. Rashad White doesn't have to be good at football to get a lot of volume and you know be semi semi efficient sinking to the end zone. I think he does that this week. I like that call, Sam. I, as I said, I'm not a Rashad White guy, but Rashad White against the Bears. Really, I'll take anyone against the Bears at this point. So, yeah, sign me up there. Um, running backs on the sit list for me this week, boys. It starts with the guy on the thumbnail today. It's Joshua Kelly. I don't care if Austin Eckler goes. I'm not throwing out Josh Kelly. I, I really do not. like. He had a career week in week one, but that's all it was, I think, is like a career game here. Um, this is a player... I don't think you can always stick 
decent to mid-level NFL players in a great role and expect good results. Like he's averaged 3.6 yards per carry throughout his career. I just don't see it here, especially going up against what's a really, really good run defense in Tennessee, man. Like this is not a fluke with, with the Titans. They've been a top three run defense against the position the last two seasons. They were number one last week as well. So I don't want anything to do with Jeffrey Simmons and the boys up front here. I, I just think they're going to have to pass the ball more without Eckler, and they know that. So, so I think it's a shift in game plan rather than a shift of opportunity to uh, another player here. How do you feel about it, Eric? Yeah, I mean, that that defensive front for Tennessee is no joke, right? So obviously there, you know, there's there's potential opportunity available to Joshua Kelly, you know, given the the injury for Austin Eckler. But, you know, running against this front, you know, even a, a run-heavy – uh, uh, sort of game plan, probably not going to bear a whole lot of fruit, right? That's that's a lot of what the Saints did last week, and still only allowed the t- the Titans still only allowed seven point seven fantasy points per game to opposing running backs, right? So yards per carry, you know, down below three. Like this is this is just a real tough one, and you add on top of that that the way he's going to be utilized is somewhat in question. I I know people you know rushed out to the wire to get him, and I think that was a good add on the whole, but I don't yeah. think you fire him up immediately. Yeah. And Sam, I saw like people spending 50, 60% of their fab on Joshua Kelly to fire him up this week. And I hate to say, I don't think that's a great idea. Any thought on Kelly or anyone else here that you would be sitting uh, at the running back position? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you. I, I'm kind of intrigued by Kelly. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I don't know if I'm completely out on him. I'm not going to fire him up in season long managed leagues. I might throw a couple darts in, in DFS leagues and and some best ball turn you know uh weekly best ball tournament spots but uh because i do think there is a little bit of spike potential with with how good this offense is uh he did run 38 percent of the routes last week and he'll he'll clearly get some more usage this week through the air um you know we the titans defense doesn't exactly extend to you know all all the success through the air against running backs as much as they do on the ground so there is some hope there. I, I do think a volume approach could help for him. Look, you know, we got Jamal Williams against this defense last last week. He he's he's washed to me. Kelly is not washed. And I do th- I do think the Chargers want to run the ball. I, I think that's probably something that went really under the radar for them last year. Um I think they I do think that they want to run the ball. I do think they'll get Kelly involved. He played 50% of the long down and distance snaps last week as well. So we could see him get a little bit involved through the passing game. Uh, one guy on the sit list for me this week that I'm really not at all a fan of is David Montgomery. And, and I'm, you know, this is wow. more a play. This is more a play at loving Jameer Gibbs and, and thinking that. Uh, we see Montgomery as more of just who he is as the season goes along. But I do think this is a really great chance for the Lions coaching staff to come out here and say, look, you know, we, we worked the guy in small last week. We got him eight, eight, nine touches. He looked really, really electric. Now here's a matchup where we can just let him loose, 
let him be explosive against a defense that has been really bad against running backs, especially through the air over the last couple seasons. And I think David Montgomery gets relegated more to a between the tackles role here. So I went ahead and knocked David Montgomery down to 26 in my rankings this week. It's not the largest drop, but mm -hmm. I moved Jameer Gibbs up to 11th in my rankings this Ooh. week because I think that we start to see Gibbs really have an explosive couple weeks here. Uh, and it starts against Seattle. So this is not as much a fade of Montgomery uh, for his matchup. It's, it's a fade at, you know, where I expect him to get, you know, the more, more touches this week. All right. I love it, man. I love the call. Uh, Corey in the chat saying swag, let these boys know Corey. LFG. Appreciate you, Corey. Uh, and then we got Michael saying advice on a PPR RB start Moster Robinson, or Kyron Williams, uh, Brian Robinson Jr. That is swag. Do, where do you? Where are we going here, man? Where are we going? Corey, Corey's needs the energy from you, uh, <laughs> and Michael needs the advice. It depends if Moster plays. Uh, if if Moster plays, I would go with him um, because he's honestly just the best option. Because Robinson's got a really tough matchup against Denver. Yep. Kyron Williams will have a really tough matchup against San Francisco. Uh, I, you know, New England's not the not the easiest matchup at all. I'd like to go elsewhere yeah. <laughs> between any of these three guys if possible. But if most if Mostert starts, he would probably be my guy here. Okay, Eric, how do you feel about it? I I agree with Sam, man. I don't love any of these situations right now. We, we, we think Robinson has the role locked up, but it, it's a really, really tough matchup out there. It is a tough matchup, and I, I think that we're going to see the, the the commander's backfield kind of ping-pong a bit based on the, the game script that they're in, right? So, you know, week one, it looked like the role was his, but I, I think that is subject to change just based on how each individual game unfolds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to sweep it with the two of you and, and go with Raheem Mostert, right? Assuming that he plays, he, he very much so has the largest role of the three people that we've talked about here, 72% snap share last week. Uh, we already stumped for Alexander Madison seeing about three quarters of snaps earlier. So I won't belabor that point, but that type of opportunity is elite. You know, it's kind of yeah. a, kind of a middle of the road matchup against new England, which um, is better than it has been in years past. And, you know, if he's going to be on the field that often in arguably the most, if not one of the most high caliber offenses in the entire NFL, it's it's most for me out of these three. Yep. Awesome. Well, guys, keep the questions coming. We'll get to some more in our next segment. Um, that's just around the corner with our other great guest uh, that's going to be on the line with us. But Sam, let's get you out of here. Uh, what do you have going on that the IBT family and everyone in the chat today can support you with for the rest of the season, my man? Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at, at Swagman95. Uh, and everything's over at the game day this this season. Got a ton of great stuff over there. Um, my weekly articles on matchups to exploit and all the futures updates we have over there. Plus uh, our weekly our weekly Twitter shows, Twitter start, uh, spaces over there, starts it on Sunday mornings, waiver shows on Tuesday nights. It, it's absolutely a blast. Got a ton of content there this season. Awesome. Well, Sam, enjoy it. Enjoy the uh, nice Florida weather down there as well, my friend. And uh, it's sunny, sunny and beautiful. There we go. There we go. Today was the first day I had to wear pants in like forever, like long pants. So yes. Whoa. So it is fall up here, my friend. You enjoy the, uh, yeah, yeah. You guys enjoy the the heat down there and uh, we'll catch you next time here, Sam. And uh, guys, let's go ahead and get into some sure things, sleepers of the week. Sure thing.
It's the short day. Sleepers of the week. All right, here we go, guys. We are in Sure Things Sleepers of the Week, uh, and we are joined by a new friend of the show today. His name is Brian Ford. He is the host of Dynasty Fever Pod, and he's at Going for Two as well. What's up, Brian? How are we doing today on this Feel Good Friday? Uh, not too bad. Um, wearing uh, pants, so if, if I get up, <laughs> it's okay. Um, you'll, have, you'll have to explain uh, the Sure part of this as a jersey guy i I'm, I'm wondering where where that part comes from yeah 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 so honestly like i just kind of want to do like a i guess a, a pun on the word sure and make it sure um yeah because it's always summertime baby and uh, listen i i know a lot of people give shit on the jersey shore i'm from pennsylvania i fucking love the jersey shore i uh, no, nothing's better than all, some wildwood some atlantic city baby i mean i hate it so like <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us today, man. We appreciate it greatly. Go ahead. Let's get into the short thing sleepers of the week here. Eric, I want to start with you, man. We need some redeemers because last week's were shit. So let's get this. Let's get the streak started right now. What do you got for us, my friend? Yeah, if if nothing else, uh, much higher likelihood that my sleeper this week actually suits up and plays uh, <laughs> relative to throwing a deep dart on Devon A-Chain last week. But for for me, the the deeper option that I'm going to is Rashid Shahid um, played very well in that in that week one game. He clearly has an established role in this offense. But really, the the thing for me is is his matchup, right? Obviously, you know, figuring out what to do about J.C. Horn on the outside has been the question for players going up against the the Carolina Panthers in the last few years. That is no longer a concern, right? J.C. Horn, another player that is down with a hamstring injury, he's going to be out in this game. When he left last week's game, in entered C.J. Henderson, a cornerback that we have been picking on seemingly for his entire career, primarily with Jacksonville. And when he came into the game, he saw two targets thrown in his coverage. He gave up two catches for 45 yards. So when you talk about an outside uh, cornerback, this is someone that this is a position where, you know, letting more than 15, 17 yards per catch get past you is relatively high. To be north of 20 is insane. And specifically the way that they they use Shahid in the in the New Orleans offense. He lines up in the slot the least out of all of the three starting wide receivers. Uh wow. CJ Henderson didn't play a single slot snap last week. And Rashid Shahid, third in the league in average depth of target. So he is that field stretching option. I love how this sets up for his matchup against Henderson. Yeah, Rashid Shahid, baby. He's feeling 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that was sweet though to see twenty two burning down the sideline like that. Yeah. I I would love to play Rashid Shahid this week. I have some leagues that I tried to acquire him, and people were unloading about eight nine percent of Fab at times. So I was like, oh my god, I underestimate how much Shahid love there is. Want to circle back with uh, with you, Brian? Who is your sure thing sleeper in, in your inaugural pick here at the In Between <laughs> Football Podcast? Well, I mean, I don't I don't know how much you you announced your intended guest, but I don't know if there's a a farther descent down the fantasy football ladder than than from who was supposed to be here and 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 me. But I will I will, <laughs> I will do my I will do my best. Um, so I, on the show sheet, it looked like both of you were going to pick wide receivers. So I said, what the heck? I'll go with a running back. Ty J. Spears is a Ooh. fantasy pros ECR 
uh, 49 in PPR and 50 and a half PPR. I probably like it a little better as a PPR play than a half PPR play, but still, you know, I think it is not a bad play. Uh, led the team in snap uh, percentage and led, I believe, running backs in route participation, uh, 61 and 41%, I think, um, something like that. Uh, I expect that to probably come down a little, but what I don't expect to change is that the Tennessee is is in the mode where we've got a guy finally good enough where we can uh, spell Henry yes. a little bit more early in yes. the season and save him for when it's like December and we want to run it down people's throats. And if they're making a run for the playoffs, right? Like he might even be traded by then, right? And so, you know, it, when we look at the matchup with, uh, with uh, uh, the Chargers, I think it's kind of a sneaky game. It's got a game total of 45 the last I checked. Okay. A lot of that's coming from the, the Chargers side, but I think it's going to be a sneaky game for, for DFS and, and for, you know, um, and for managed fantasy weekly. I think Chargers have been, a, there's two ways really to get the 10 points plus from, from Spears and maybe even combined, right? Like on the one hand, the Chargers are traditionally a run funnel under Staley, you know, uh, and, and we'll, we'll let you run and, and, and maybe dink and dunk a little bit. Uh, while they're trying to protect against, you know, deeper passes. Um, so there's the run path to some points, but also there's the negative game script, um, perhaps weaker armed Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Uh, than, yeah. Than we've seen it in the past, yeah. uh, you know, uh, so we're, we're maybe looking at some short passes to, you know, so there's kind of like a couple different ways that, that Spears can grab you those points and, I mean, again, just like I said with Waller, I mean, you find one and get in the end zone once, like you're more than halfway to the 10 points requirement for this segment. So uh, I love Ty J Spears, you know, use him while, while, uh, while he's still okay. And the arthritic knees or whatever aren't, uh, aren't given out. And uh, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's my sleeper pick for the week. All right, man. I love that. I love that play, dude. Honestly, Ty J Spears is someone who I think has been fantastic. So um, let's go ahead and let's, uh, let's get to my sleeper pick here. It is Josh Reynolds. Um, listen, man, I am cracking down on the wide receiver two for Jared Goff. I already talked about why I love this game so much. It was a huge, uh, huge back and forth shootout last season. Josh Reynolds is the wide receiver two for the lions ran 70% of snaps last Thursday. Uh, second in target share. Marvin Jones did nothing nothing to help himself in this Lions offense with a couple of drops. I think right now, if you're looking for an upside play, it's against the Seahawks here who let Puka Nakua Kua look like Cooper cup last week. Like, like they have some question marks back there um, in, in this Seattle secondary. So I, I think Josh Reynolds is someone I'm trying to pick on some of those rookies with. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let Brian tell us where we can support you. Sure. At FF junkie underscore on Twitter. I do, Dynasty Fever podcast, which is audio only, kind of midweek, usually like Thursday's episodes will drop. That's at Dynasty Fever Pod. Uh, you mentioned going for two. I got right uh, articles and rankings up on goingfor2.com. And oh, yeah. through the Going for Two family, uh, I do a live uh, podcast on Saturday nights called Dynasty Saturday Night Five. We do like lists of five as a way to talk about uh, Dynasty. That's 730 oh, cool. Eastern cool. on the Going for Two Live YouTube channel. This week, we're going to be unpacking uh, running backs with uh, Jacob Sanderson as a guest, which we don't often have guests. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, guys, check out Brian. Brian, we can't thank you enough for uh, joining us short notice today. Guys, thank you so much for all the questions, all the interaction in the chat from new faces, from familiar faces. Uh, come back, hang out with us again, subscribe to the channel, give this video a thumbs up, tell your friends if you enjoy it. Um, it it's that small stuff here at the IBT family that really, really helps us continue to grow and uh, have more time to bring you guys great content. So enjoy the rest of your uh, weekend here. Good luck in week two. And we'll be back on Tuesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time for our waiver wire and uh, uh, in the scope show. Take care, guys, and keep it in between.